Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, a podcast that has been likened to the scene in Pulp Fiction where Mia Wallace, Wallace gets an adrenaline shot straight into her heart. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you are a statue, hand-chiseled by Michelangelo out of granite and granted sentience by Zeus himself. How are you, my friend? Man, that's quite the introduction. I thought you were going to say I was like like Luke Angelo, like, you know, his slightly slower cousin. But no, that is a great way to put it. And yes, we are like the adrenaline shot from Pulp Fiction, not the gimp scene. Don't get it confused. And I'm doing well, my friend. Besides Michigan basketball, I found other reprieve in Michigan hockey and various other athletics like women's basketball. This is a pro Nas Hillman podcast that does not need to be stated more. Absolutely. You've been grinding on it, man. I've seen some baseball content, definitely some hockey content, which we will be fortunate enough to dip into for the first time this evening. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, is it? I'm just going to really uh, sidebar here. It's not Mike Angelo. His name is not like his yeah, name's Mike. Mike Angelo. Like he has a brother, Don Angelo. Yeah, Steve <laughs> Angelo. It's just Michelangelo. Jeff Angelo. All the Angelos. <laughs> It's a history podcast. Tune in, people. Pay attention. You're gonna <laughs> what learn you something. didn't learn in class. Like, this is yeah. what you're going to get from us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We were going to take the week off, but uh, then life happened and sports happened and things got weird for the Michigan program once again in maybe the weirdest month that we've ever had covering a sport. So it was our duty. You know, we owed it to the Michigan faithful to hop on and and talk about what's going on. Uh, let's start off with uh, some good news because we're going to we're going to really get down into the muck here shortly. Denard Robinson has been hired for a position assistant director of player personnel at Michigan. Basically, what he'll be doing is coordinating recruiting visits and handling uh, on site visits. He'll be actually working directly with recruits. What are your thoughts about this hire for the Michigan program? Home run on all fronts, mostly PR. Michigan was in need of a win for like a lot of reasons here, like Jim Harbaugh situation, then the Juwan thing we'll get into. This is just a win for the most prominent sport at Michigan. And as it actually pertains to the job responsibilities, imagine having these, you know, 17, 16, 17, 18 year old kids come to campus to visit. And oh, hey, there's Denard Robinson to guide you around campus. Like what could be better than that? 
I'm with you on on all counts. It's a home run hire for a program that desperately needed it. There's going to be some mudslinging going on. Uh, it's been happening in the national media all week. We'll uh, we'll keep ours to a bare minimum, but they needed a win, and they got one here with Denard Robinson, who you know it's been a while since he played, but still maintains you know a, a little bit of permeance in a lot of younger guys' minds because he's the last guy that was on the cover of NCAA. You know, think about it was 2014 that he was on the cover, but he's still the last one. We've got it coming back next year. But this was a guy that was absolutely electric when he played for Michigan. One of the most universally liked guys that you're going to find. And to bring him into the fold in what sounds like a pretty cushy job, you don't got to go on recruiting visits. You're just going to be kind of the face of the program for these recruits, showing them around campus. Awesome for him. Great job. Uh, does he need an assistant? And uh, great, great <laughs> hire for the program. Well, I mean, recruits can ask him like if like the university was good to him and this is an example case in point like yes they did this for me they they hooked me up I'm going to be good at this job I'm qualified for it but they didn't have to do this for him they're taking care of their alums and they're successful ones like you see Grant Newsom becoming tight ends coach now you see Denard Robinson becoming assistant director of recruiting it's just saying you come here perform for us like really personify what it is to be a Michigan man while you're here and after football then we will take care of you after that for sure. Add Mike Hart to that list to show that we take care of our own. And uh, Bellamy is a Michigan guy, too, is he not? Am I mistaken there? Ron Bellamy is yeah, a Michigan Bellamy guy. Is a Mich- yeah, so this is a university that has been known in the past for taking care of its own. This is really putting um, your money where your mouth is. And it, it's a great hire for the program. And I just see this as something that's that's going to, you know, it's going to pay dividends down the road. So good for Denard Shoelace back in Ann Arbor. That is awesome. The elusive Denard Robinson would love to interview that guy one time. Could he run some scout team quarterback for us? Oh, 110% he could. He's still got it. He's younger than me. Like, yeah, he's definitely got it. Troy Wolfolk is 32, played on the same team, claims to be the fastest Michigan player still. Just posted that on Twitter. That's that's fun. He might be now. I mean, Denard has been eating good since he left, but you give him a few months in the weight room, he'll be back. Yeah, I also do not believe Troy Wolfolk is the fastest Michigan player, including current players that are 18. Who's the fastest player on the team right now? That is interesting. We'll have to see. They do the races every year, and I think that happens in spring. So hopefully we actually get some some, uh, answers there. But if I had to pick a guy that looks like the fastest, probably A.J. Henning seems to be the fastest on tape. Nobody like pops like a few years ago who was the guy that you went and saw and you're like oh that's the fastest guy ambry thomas in 17 i was like ambry thomas is faster than everybody on this field right now right so uh as of right now i'll say uh aj henning but will johnson's probably going to come in and give him a run for his money right away Henning's there. I remember last season, Blake Corum said it was himself. He also said, don't sleep on Iman Dennis. He said, mm-hmm. Iman Dennis can fly for okay. like, you know, more reserve roles. Yeah. All right. Well, I'd pay money to see that. Troy Wolfolk. I don't know what kind of like human embryos you've been consuming to get your body like faster at age 32 than you were at 18, but uh, good on you. And I'd pay money to watch that race. How can I bet everything I own and will own on Blake Corum to beat him? Like, yeah. How, right. like, how, how do I do that? How do I get a house that I can mortgage (laughs) and just put it all on Blake, please? I'm with you, man. But uh, all right. Well, there's no getting around it. We've got to switch over to basketball, which, you know, we were we were getting a little bit optimistic on. We were trying to turn the corner to optimism. And then the Wisconsin game happened. And we'll talk briefly about the incident. Uh, You must have been living, you know, in in a cupboard. If you didn't see what happened, it was covered extensively on every outlet the aftermath of the Michigan-Wisconsin game, a loss at Wisconsin, 77-63, to which we'll get into the actual game. But we have to talk about the incident and the suspension and the, the punishments that followed. Five games for Jawan, one for Terrence Williams, one for Musa, and one for Wisconsin player Jacoby Neath. That's the extent of it, and hopefully we can move on, but we have to at least give our thoughts on what happened at the end of that game. I thought the suspensions for the most part were fair. The ones that were handed out, we can talk about the ones that weren't handed out, but the ones that were handed out were fair. Five games for Juwan is very understandable. Those calling for his firing need to stop being butter soft. Like this is one of the best things that happened to college basketball this season. Like as long as things don't like 
escalate too much and get too ugly or go into the stands like and be are contained to a degree. It's great. It brings the intrigue, the drama, and everything you want surrounding sports all in one moment. Like, get off your moral high horse. Like, there's a reason CBS kept the cameras on them and had the announcers covering the fight like it was a UFC event. Oh, look at the right hand. Oh, there's smurf. Like, it was between the Hindenburg crashing and a UFC fight, the way they were reacting to it. So it was just great TV, and it sets up possibly the biggest college basketball game of the season outside of the NCAA tournament if Michigan and Wisconsin play in the Big Ten tournament. Oh, 100%. And I'm with you. Uh, let's let's start with the incident itself. Uh, Juwan was in the wrong to put his hands on. I believe it, the, the, the hands go on Krabenhoff's, right? The, uh, on the yeah, yeah, on the assistant guy who uh, – yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Like So one, one step at a time. It is probably on Juwan. You are the leader of this program. It shouldn't be you throwing the first – you know, it's not a punch. It's a sl- it's a face palm. It was a it was a it was a really good palming of the face. He palmed it like he was about to throw down a windmill, and I respected that. So yeah, Krabenhoff would get dusted if you actually want that smoke. But you can't be doing that as the leader of the program. But then things get a little bit interesting because you you start to break down the film like it's the Zapruder film, and there's hands being thrown all over the place, and uh, Wisconsin coaches and players certainly not de-escalating despite what their press release says. So I don't want to get too much into it. There are plenty of podcasts, plenty of articles breaking it down frame by frame, but it was really just a bunch of adults acting like idiots. So it should never have happened. But now that it did happen, we've got to move forward from this. And I think that there is a way to make a positive spin on it, like you just said. Absolutely. And it's the more days that go on, the less and less it feels like it was like this huge incident. And the big reason it felt so massive was because there was no football. So first Sunday without football, like if this happened during the Super Bowl, like this would have been like the third page story. Like nobody right. would have cared. So it all escalated, but it's all going to lead to some good. But I do want to talk about Krabs not getting a suspension. He was the one that really came in and escalated the entire situation. So Jawan and Guard have that interaction, and then he steps in, inter- interjects himself into this argument, and then starts saying something at Jawan, and then like pushes Terrence Williams, and then that's when Jawan snapped and hit him with the five fingers to the face. So I was shocked Krabs didn't get anything. I agree. And that, I think, is the key point. The when Juwan actually threw hands is the key point here, because he did not do he was leaving the the situation. He was backing up out of the group until Kravenhoff pushed Terrence Williams. And once a coach pushed a player, you know, Juwan is about it. And Juwan came in and that's when you saw Juwan react. So a coach, a grown adult with like kids of his own pushing a 19 year old kid. That's unacceptable as well. So Krabenhoff should have gotten at least a one-game suspension for that. Howard overreacted with what he did, but I understand why he did it. But the whole thing was childish in the sense that you're you're pressing down 15 with a minute left. You're calling timeouts up 15 with a minute left. That's childish. The fact that we're doing handshake lines in the first place, like this is, you know, eight-year-olds after the end of a rec league game. Like these, these are hyper-competitive athletes on the verge of playing a professional sport there's only one level above this so why are we doing that and don't say it's just a game because this is livelihoods at stakes futures with nil money it's even more prevalent than ever like you can't say this is just a game they should be able to shake hands like no 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 this is a multi-million billion dollar industry to some degree like so it's not just a game there's a lot riding on the performance of the coaches the players and all of it you said it right man it was very childish like Honestly, thank God he didn't push Jace Howard because Jawan's from Chicago and he's bout it, bout it. So, about it. So it would have been bad. And honestly, as far as like this concerns the Michigan team, this is a galvanizing moment for them. A very galvanizing moment for the team to come together. Their coach is going to go to war for them. Like one more incident and Jawan probably is gone. Like if this happens again. So this is going to bring the team together, rally him around. I really believe that. And the most absurd thing of all of this was the coach from Wisconsin that tweeted the picture afterwards with the thumbs up and the blood on the tooth. Like that was when I was like, okay, I, I don't think I like Wisconsin very much anymore. Like that was what so like before yeah. I was like, they're kind of in the wrong, like, like we're, we're in the wrong messed it up. But that's all that picture. I'm like, I get why you hit him. 
I get it. Yeah, that absolute beta male that looks like he's fifth in line for the uh, for the mozzarella stick platter at an Applebee's somewhere on a Thursday night, just like an absolute <laughs> shame of a man uh, trying to go at Jawan Howard. But I want to talk about something that you mentioned there, and this we texted about it, and I think it's time. And I, I do believe your first point there that this could galvanize the team. But I'm going to go even further. It should galvanize the team because it's time for Michigan to lean into being the villain. And I know you agree with me on this. And it's it's this is a mutual point. It's one that we kind of came to together. And I want you to go first on why it's time we stop fighting this, because the the media reaction after the Jawan Howard thing was insane. There was at one point three stories up on CBS's sports homepage all about Jawan Howard and the incident that is over the top. So. With that being said, why do you think it's time for Michigan to just say, F it, let's lean into this thing. We're the heels out there. If they want to make you the villain, then be the villain. Optics and perspective, perception are everything in this business, especially in sports where you're playing in the public arena. So if they want to make you the bad guys and you're going to act like the bad guys by slapping people, I mean... Guys, let's do it. Let's just be this. It gives this team an identity that they haven't had all season. Like, what's been Michigan's identity? Like, not making threes and watching Hunter Dickinson swing his arm around his waist? Like, <laughs> that's it. So, it's like, if they want to make it, now you can finally embrace the Michigan versus everybody. The shirts have already been printed. I own one. I bought an Ann Arbor Bad Boys one. You should do from Blue by 90. And just, this is a chance to give the team a rallying cry. It gives the team a banner. Like, we're the bad boys of the Big Ten. Illinois hates us. Michigan State, Ohio State hate us. Like, and now Wisconsin hates us. I'm sure a lot of other teams hate us, too, at this point. This is what happens when it comes with Michigan. But now it's like you're really bringing back that bad boy mentality that hasn't been on the Michigan basketball program since the early 90s. And why fight it? Look at Trey Young last year in the playoffs. We won us hated, all over. Yeah, he won you and I over. We hated him. And then he embraced being the villain. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, this is way cooler than just being, you know, trying to make everybody like you. And it's impossible now. Like, we we represent one of the biggest programs in all of college, any sport, you know. Yeah. We are the one program last year that made it to the Final Four in all four of the major major sports. We are an elite program and we will be treated as such by other teams in the conference because they hate us because they ain't us. And it, it, it does break down to that a bit. So I'm here with it, dude. I'm here for it. Let's embrace being villains. They hate us anyway. And like what you said about identity, we have nothing when it comes to identity. So now you have Juwan Howard getting suspended. You've got the free Juwan hashtags going around, both from current players and top 50 recruits. Like you've got an identity forming and lean into it. Let's go. Let's play grimy. Let's play physical. Let's like up our defensive effort. Let's have some absolute shit talkers out on the floor. You know, you and I love that sort of thing. True. So let's just roll with it. I, I'm, I'm totally with it. And it's pointless to fight it at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, we're in complete agreement because you and I were talking about this pretty extensively when it all went down. And it's just like, what's the point? Like, why everyone wants to be the good guy? It's just a natural inclination for most people. But it's like, they want to make you the bad guy and you want to be physical and they want to hate you. This is such an easy rallying cry. Hang the banners up about this. Like, guys, they hate us. Everybody does. It's just, it's us versus them mentality. It's nobody believes in us. That's a very dangerous team at the most critical time of the season. And we're going to learn tonight how far that's going to carry them when they play Rutgers in the rematch. 100%. We're recording this on Wednesday at uh, about, what, six year time? I'm yeah, still six in, year. Yeah, I'm still in Buenos Aires. So uh, we, we do not have the Rutgers coverage, but Michigan favored by five tonight against Rutgers seems like a lot, but I'm telling you, it's because other people feel it. Like Michigan's going to come out angry after this, and they're going to go to war for their coach. Like they're not going to be embarrassed by what Jawan Howard did. They're going to be like, no, that's, that's the kind of guy I want to fight for. That's the kind of guy I want to play for. So I expect a motivated team. Um, it'll be a little tough against Rutgers. Rutgers is hot. They cooled off a little bit, but uh, you know, we're without Musa, we're without T Will, so uh gulp Brandon John's minutes incoming. God, that's very worrisome. But Phil Martelli, I think he's got one or two tricks up his sleeve in here, some wrinkles to throw in to really give this team the advantage and how fortunate we are as a program to have Phil Martelli as our top assistant. 100%. I want to talk more about that. Let's take a second, though, and talk about home field apparel out of Indianapolis, the most 
comfortable, affordable sportswear brand with one of the largest, most comprehensive selections of all a college apparel in the game right now. Uh, it's getting to be problematic with the amounts that are showing up at my door. I'm in Buenos Aires right now, so I haven't ordered anything for a while. They're all just showing up to my mom's house, collecting on a large uh, porch, like a porch collection of, of home field apparel, waiting for me when I get home. And they've got you covered. Whatever you need, whatever school it is, hopefully it's Michigan, and you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout, homefieldapparel.com. All right, I wanted to uh, touch on some points that you had there um, before we went to that break. Uh, Phil Martelli, A, that is a great guy to have coming in for you. And I guess this this is more of a question for you. Do you think that there's maybe some lineups that Martelli can start to get a little bit more creative with now that Juwan's out? I'm not saying Juwan was stubborn with the lineups, but do you see Martelli getting creative with these lineups? Is this a chance for Michigan to experiment or should Martelli just try and keep, keep this ship afloat to get us into the tournament? I think you could see some definitely in the middle of this game, like some like middle middle first half, early second half lineups, just to inject some juice into it. So I think you could see some like extensive Jace Howard minutes. I think you could see some like deeper down, like maybe like uh, what's his name, Folds, Jaron Folds. That's oh, his that's name. Deep. Jaron Folds could come out there and play some. He played really hard in that Illinois game when we were shorthanded, and I think he could bring some of that energy as well into this one. Um, and this is going on top of players already like Kobe Buffkit and Frankie Collins coming off the bench, but I think you see some extensive Folds and really extensive Jace Howard. And, guys, let's press all game. Put the heat on him. Like, make him earn it a little bit. There was a reason Rick Patino. I mean, he may be an armpit of a human, but that creep can coach. Right. <laughs> there's, there's something to press in all game, at least getting a few free buckets out of it. And Jace Howard brings that youthful energy. So, I expect to see it in the middle of the game. But at the start and to finish, I think you'll see Old Faithful on both sides of the ball for Michigan. I, I love that. I'd like to see more of that press, the full court. And I would also like to see once they get Musa and T-Will back, the 2-3 zone has been very effective when you've got uh, Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston, and Terrence Williams on the floor. That is a crazy amount of length. That just sucks the air out of the spacing down there when you have guys with that kind of length. So that combination, the defense should be much better than it is. And that is the one thing that I want this, you know, this this recent mudslinging to galvanize is the defensive effort. So I'm hoping Martelli can bring that out a little bit. Jace Howard minutes incoming, which I am excited for. Um, so how do you see uh, how do you see him running out tonight against Rutgers? Obviously, Dickinson at the five is a guarantee. Jones at the one guarantee. Brooks at the two guarantee. But then it's a little dicey at the three and the four. John's probably by default starting at the four. Right. And then, yeah, and Houston at the three. And Houston's still at the three as much as uh, Houston is. Re I've really grown cold on Houston. And um, yeah, uh, it, unless you have another point, that brings me to, to my next point. Now you go ahead. I think that's what you have to roll out with. You keep the four reliable starters, but man, bringing in, bringing in Brandon Johns for Musa isn't the, like, this is going to sound crazy at first, isn't the dead worst because Moose is so up and down. That's the only reason why. Because if it's a Moose a bad game, then it's really not much of a drop-off at all. But if it's a Moose against Purdue and we beat him by 25, then that's a big drop-off for Brandon John. That is completely fair. Musa has been very hit or miss, which you expect from a freshman. I don't think anyone expected to be him as good as he is right away. So, you know, he's been a pleasant surprise. So the fact that he's had a, a couple poor games recently does not concern me at all. Um, and yeah, you can get by with one game with Johns and I'm more excited to see Howard and uh, you're going to have to obviously do some type of small ball lineup because Buffkin and Collins are, are really your next guys off the bench and they're going to need to see a lot of time, which... If you look at their numbers, is a little bit concerning. But uh, that brings me to my next point here. I'm looking, we're, we're now, what, five games remaining in the season, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's five games remaining in the season. And people are on Twitter are really worried, like, oh, man, hopefully we can bring these guys back next year. You know, uh, you know it's going to be really a bummer and a wasted, wasted year if none of these guys come back. And then, like, all of a sudden, we're kind of resetting again next year. Hoops Hype came out with an article. You can find it on Bleacher Report. It's a compilation of all the current mock drafts, and these are coming from all over. These are coming from like the Zach Lowe's and the Chad Fords and the uh, the CBS Sports of the world. And th these guys get it right a lot, especially in basketball. As it currently sits right now, Caleb Houston is our best prospect. His consensus ranking is 27th. His best ranking is 23. His worst ranking is 41st, which would put him in the second round. Four mock drafts don't even have him included. 
Okay. His player comps right now are like a Mike Dunleavy Jr. or a Jordan Nawara. So if you haven't heard of either of those guys, it wouldn't surprise the hell out of me. Musa Diabate is ranked 50th. His best rank is 33rd, which would also put him in the second round. He's not included in eight mock drafts. Okay. His player comp, this is my player comp for him. His best case scenario, I think, is an Isaiah Stewart. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of player comps in these mock drafts because not a lot of people see him as a top prospect at this point. Hunter Dickinson is listed in none of these mock drafts. Okay. And we are late into the season. Granted, there are gonna there's gonna be movement as the tournament comes around. But as it stands right now, people are worried about if we're gonna lose all three guys. I think it is more likely we bring all three back. A hundred percent with you. You and I have talked briefly about this before that article came out. And one, <clears throat> hats off to you for digging into that this weekend. And it's true though. You you see it on the court. Like is I'm not as concerned about stats as I am the eye test. And I've never been sold as on Hunter Dickinson as a pro prospect. Now with the two freshmen that are concerned in Musa and Caleb Houston, I've seen flashes from Musa, but it's like, okay, you need to come back. And Houston is like, oh, he'll come around and you'll see some spurts. But now he's even further behind than Musa, it feels like, because he doesn't have the same energy, especially on both ends of the court that Musa does. And then the guards we know are coming back. So realistically, we could have, I mean, everybody of our top players back next year besides Eli Brooks and um, DJ at point. Like everybody else could come back. And honestly, they should come back because you have the stat. Like, how often do second round prospects stick in the NBA? Uh, 26% of second round draft picks never even see the floor before they're out of the NBA. That was the stat that I got from, I believe that was a Bleacher Report that had that report. And that was from like the 2016 to 18 range. Um, a lot of these guys are out of the league in one to two years if you if you fall to the second round because the investment that a team has made in you if you're a first round pick versus if you're a second round pick is monumental. It's monumental. Jordan Poole is a great example of that. Just got an $80 million extension from the Golden State Warriors. He was drafted at the very end of the first round. But because he was a first round guy, there was a commitment to his development. Now, granted, you know, he came into an awesome system and was a, a, a solid shooter when he was drafted. That was about all he could do well. And uh, but but he's like a good example of like the fringes of this, because what happens if that guy goes two picks later as like the number one pick in the second round to the magic or something? I don't remember the exact draft order that year. But what does his career look like? I'm pretty confident it is not what it is had he have gone to the best developmental situation in the NBA. No, this was the, I mean, epitome of fortuitous for Jordan Poole because if he goes to the Magic or just uh, the Kings, like he just wastes away in obscurity and ends up in the G League or out of the NBA. But because he fell to a team like the Warriors that can develop and put him around some of the best minds in basketball, best players, <clears throat> I mean, one of the best GMs in Bob Myers, Steve Kerr at head coach, not to mention like just the, the championship pedigree within that building. They know what it takes and know how to bring guys along slowly. So that was very fortunate. That's not going to happen to everybody. Jordan Poole's a one in a million kind of case, one in a thousand, 10,000, something like that. So for these guys to see those kind of numbers staring them in the face and where they're projected, it has to lend them to coming back to Michigan next year. Otherwise, you're just rolling the dice. And I mean, if you like living in Croatia, I mean, more power to you. Yeah. If you want to be <laughs> withering away on the G League, you know, playing for some team where there's 30 people in the stands every night. And, you know, that's where Shonday Brown is at right now. Shonday Brown may never get into another NBA game because he, he's uh, still with the Lakers G League team. Uh, but that's where he went was in the second round. And Isaiah Livers, same deal. Isaiah Livers has not played one NBA minute yet. Granted, there's some injury concerns with Isaiah. He's still not fully back. But it's just a crapshoot once you fall to that second round. So I have to imagine these guys, especially Dickinson, which is crazy to think because he's actually improved his three point percentage. Uh, his scoring numbers are like slightly better than last year. He's rebounding at a great clip. Defense hasn't really gone up or down. And that's probably why he's actually fallen as a prospect in these mock drafts, which is crazy to think because he's having a good year. Two things. If Shonday Brown re had returned for Michigan for the COVID season, I mean, he's shooting 42% from three this year, averaging close to 20 a game. Uh, he's probably, well, I don't know. Devontae Jones is a good point guard. He's not an exciting. He's not an explosive. He's not, uh, we're not going to like tell our kids about him 20 years from now. Uh, so Sean Day might not take his, his minutes, but Sean Day's playing a ton of minutes. He's definitely your 
Is he coming off the bench if Sean Day's back on this team? I think he comes off the bench, but you run him in like a small ball, like three guard lineup with Musa and Hunter Oof. Dickinson down low. And then you have Brooks on one side and him on the other side shooting the ball. I mean, that That's solves every issue this team dramatically has. Dramatically better team. <laughs> it is a, and, yeah. And secondly, are we going to get the Hunter Dickinson I'm back post here in a couple months and we're all just going to be like, we know, fam. We know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I guess, like you said, he could go to like the Turkish league or something like that if he really wants to start getting paid. But with the NIL deals being what they are, I would just stick where I'm at, sign a good NIL deal and try to improve my defense because he improved his three-point shooting. He's like second on the team in three-point percentage right now. And he was first for a long time before Eli Brooks started to heat up. So he's actually improved. And that was one of the two things he needed to improve to be an NBA prospect. But uh, no, like the, the mock drafts don't see it that way. And these things, I know they're mock drafts, but these things are usually pretty accurate in the NBA. They, yeah. they, they know who's going and who's not. Yeah, don't let him sell you on the soup in Ukraine. It ain't worth it. <laughs> yeah, I would probably avoid Ukraine if that, if that league was was hiring right now. <laughs> Steer clear, yeah. So the NIL honestly makes it more advantageous, to, be, to your point, to come back to Michigan. Like, you're with your friends, finish out your education, make another run at the Natty, or it's like going to move to Europe, or like you said, go play at the, the G League at a local YMCA somewhere. Those are your options. Um, Want to talk a little bit more basketball. We've got some other stuff, including our first foray into hockey. But we're going to take a quick break. Be back right after this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Last thing on Michigan basketball currently. Uh, wanted to talk about the guard situation here. You and I have been a little bit critical in the past few weeks about our guards. I mean, this is not saying anything controversial. The guard play needs to improve if we're going to have any sort of run, um, whether that's from the guys that are on the team or or guys that we need to bring in. Uh, hopefully we have it on the team, but you're looking at the guys that are backing up Devonte and that are backing up Eli Brooks. And you guys like we both like both of them, Bufkin and Collins. The numbers of Bufkin and Collins are abhorrent. They are really, really not good. So as much as you and I want to see this small ball lineup with Jace, Bufkin, Frankie Collins, that could be extremely, extremely painful to watch. These guys are the future, the reserves right now. They are the bad sequels of backup guards right now. Like they're coming later and you know it's just not going to be very good. It's like right now it's like they're they're kind of Godfather 3 territory. Obviously you wanted to be Godfather 2. But yeah, you sent me the numbers and I was like, hey, yeesh. So, um, numbers, I mean, don't tell the whole story because the sample size is small for both guys, like definitely playing in reserve minutes and things like that. I think both are averaging like 10 or less a game. I think he's averaging 10 minutes. No, they're both over 10 minutes a game over 10. Yeah. So it's, it's a small sample still, and you'd like to see a, a little bit more from them, but as highly touted as both players were, you didn't expect it to quite be this right now. No, it's rough. And uh, Frankie Collins in particular, his free throw percentage is the most glaring number. He's shooting 44% uh, from the line right now. Granted, that's on about one a game. He's played 22 games, so 22 attempts, 44%. But that is really, really concerning because that is a number that's used to extrapolate future shooting. And there's no way he's that bad of a shooter. There's just no way. Uh, but that concerns me because that's a guy you and I are both high on athletically and he's a dog on defense, 
Um, but he might be destined to be like lesser Xavier Simpson unless he really, really improves his shooting. Yeah, that's going to be a big thing for him to really adjust to at this level. And he's got the athleticism and like a lot of other tools surrounding it. But it's like the shooting is not developed quite like you'd like. But also for both guys, the shooting hasn't developed for anybody on this damn team. Facts. <laughs> So it's like, I don't just want to hone in on them unless your name's Eli Brooks in the last month or Hunter Dickinson just kind of being the most consistent shooter throughout the season. Like everyone's kind of under the microscope. So I don't want to go in too much on him right now because if they get a shooting coach in next year and the whole team can rise up a little bit like they should, then this might just look like, you know, an outlier for them. It's possible. Um, as you mentioned, the whole team is atrocious. 16% from three against Wisconsin. It looked and seemed worse. The eye test was almost unwatchable. Uh, they just couldn't buy a bucket. And that's not the first time it's happened this season. Go look at the splits for Michigan. And we did it last week. We already talked about the, the, the splits and wins versus the splits and losses. Uh, Ant Wright tweeted something, you know, against Wisconsin, just Echoing our point that when this team makes shots, they're really good. And when they don't, they're really bad. It's a giant discrepancy based almost solely on the three point shooting. And um, I don't know how you fix that. Um, and I don't think any of the things that we've suggested, I definitely don't think more Buffkin or Collins in lieu of Devante Jones is the answer, even though I've seen that floated on Twitter. Uh, just look at the, the Buffkin Collins numbers. And, and also I test Devante Jones is probably our best man to man defender. He is our best man-to-man defender, and he's come so far this season that you and I have definitely had to like walk back some words we had from early on in the year because he's grown in the system. He's just very mature on the court, like very like almost always makes the right decision. Never moments never too big for him. Shoots at a decent clip, but just makes like heady, decisive decisions. And these freshmen aren't ready for that quite yet. Yeah, at one point you were saying he was like playing like a paraplegic who lost one of his limbs in like a, All right, I a, said a lawnmower some accident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> said some things about DJ. I, I'm 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 sorry, sir. You were right. <laughs> like, yeah, not me. I was I wasn't necessarily backing in, backing him up either. I was not super sold on him early in the season. He's played himself into form, but uh, the rest of the guys. Ugh, we'll see. But that being said, uh, you and I are both on the, uh, the, the the belief of the belief that this is going to galvanize them and Michigan's going to have a run. And I think they're making the tournament. I wasn't sure before the Jawan Howard fight. Now I'm like somehow more confident. <laughs> well, we both kind of expected them to drop this game at Wisconsin anyway. Right. Like, yeah, it was a schedule loss. Exactly. It's on there. We said they could drop this one and perhaps like one they drop more another. Right. They, they can drop, drop one more. Yeah. We'll drop another one. I don't Let's care. Go. We'll Let's fight someone else. <laughs> Line them up. Phil Martelli's throwing hands. Let's so. go with Phil Martelli's <laughs> eyebrows. That, that's an intimidating guy. <laughs> His eyebrows blot out the sun. Phil Martelli is eclipsing eyebrows, throwing bombs against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and Ron Harper Jr. To quote Uncut Gems, this is how we win. And so backs against the wall. We've been backing up throwing haymakers for a month now as Michigan sports fans. So it's only right. Like this is going to galvanize the team. We're going to find out tonight. There's room. But like after that moment with Juwan, like all on board. So if the shooting can pick up, I guarantee the energy is going to be at an all time season high tonight. Oh, so, I can't wait. Yeah, tip-off's coming up here. We're going to wrap this up right before tip-off. What do you got tonight? Who you got? You got Michigan winning this? Oh, it's the, it's the race to 69. Is like the stats show. Like, you get to 69, Michigan's like 200-something in like three, as most college teams are. So, yeah, Michigan's going to wrap this one up, and we're going to win 75-64. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I've got it almost <laughs> – Wow, that's very close. I had it like 71, 63, something like that. So, yeah, I, I was pretty close. Uh, I agree. I think it's uh, this is what we need. Time to be villains, baby. Uh, buy your blue by 90 shirts, you know, Ann Arbor bad boys. Let's let's just be the heels out there. Let's be the Trey Youngs of the world. It's more fun. Worst case scenario, we come out flat tonight, get smacked, and we all embrace hockey. Exactly. <laughs> Great segue, my friend, uh, because you've been on the grind. And kudos to you. You're covering now four sports, all four of the majors, which uh, is unprecedented at Maze and Brew. I don't think anyone, maybe like Broom or Vaughn has done it at some point, probably. Like the Leonardo da Vinci of Michigan sports coverage right now. <laughs> not to, I mean, not to set the bar too high. <laughs> You're like the Darren Angelo, cousin of Michelangelo. I'm like George da Vinci. <laughs> yeah. 
but you've had some great pieces come out about Michigan hockey and you got me into it too. Cause you know, I'm, I'm down here in, in Buenos Aires and, uh, there, there's some times when I've, I've got some downtime down here. So I'm trying to fill it and I've been watching Michigan hockey and what a delight it has been to start watching this. Honestly, I feel like it's something I should have done sooner. Um, give me a quick elevator pitch or actually give the, the listeners an elevator pitch as to why they should care about Michigan hockey. So some backstory for this Michigan hockey team. They have seven first round draft picks on them, four of which came last year in the top five, which were picks one, two, four, and five. Unheard of, by the way, historically. Unheard of. Unheard of in any sport from Quidditch to hockey. You're not going (laughs) to find this. So everyone came back in large in part because it was an Olympic year and NHL players are no longer allowed to play in the Olympics. So Kent Johnson, Owen Power, Brendan Brisson, and Maddie Beneers all went over and represented Team USA and Team Canada respectively. Both teams fell short in the semi or the quarterfinal, so don't have to delve into that if you wasted your time. But they're back now, and this Michigan hockey team is hot. Currently ranked number two. We've won seven in a row, 11 of our last 12. Our last regulation loss came December 11th against Ohio State, who we just swept at Yost on senior night, minus four of our best players. This coming weekend, we're heading to Notre Dame, the only Big Ten team we have not beaten. If we win one game, tie the second, we win the Big Ten outright. Automatically puts us in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament, I believe. And the and just puts us in premier position for the NCAA tournament. So I said we were ranked number two. Number one is Minnesota State, whom we've already beaten. We've also already beaten the number five team. This team is on a roll, and I you cannot get enough of it. Once you get invested, you're all in. It's a complete vortex of emotions, everything. Like I said, I can't sell, sell it anymore, man. Seven in a row, 11 of our last 12, and four of our best players return this week. It's almost unfair. Let's go. Yeah, this is uh, this is a wonderful development for for my life, picking up on Michigan hockey, because um, like you said, you're getting it at the right time. You already mentioned the unprecedented amount of talent on one team. This is the best chance Michigan's had at a title since 2011, came up short that year. We were the runners up to Minnesota Duluth, who Minnesota has like an absolute obscene amount of like quality teams. It's like the top three teams every year are all out of Minnesota and schools that I assume are community colleges that are just producing Vikings on steroids that that skate for a living. Uh, It's ridiculous. The teams that come out of Minnesota, but this is the best Michigan has ever looked as far as the, the talent on the ice. Our last title was 1998. So you're getting right around that last time Michigan won a title era. It's like right around there, you know, for one of the major four, except baseball. We, uh, what, when was the, the baseball title? That was not long ago. Wasn't that long ago. No, that wasn't long ago, but baseball's of the ones that, that we watch religious baseball is the one I watch the least. I have to admit, you mentioned the four of the five top picks in the 2021 NHL draft. Uh, I went back seven drafts and it's unheard of to even have like two guys coming from the same team, four of five of the top five picks playing on the same team. It does not exist. Um, it would be like, uh, I'm trying to think of a comparison. It would be like if, uh, an NFL draft, the first top 10 picks all came from the top 10 picks in the draft were all Michigan Wolverines is probably a decent comparison or maybe more. Would it be more like the top 15 picks were all Wolverines? Is that closer? That's closer, but also quick aside, uh, Daniel Jeremiah put out his recent mock, recent mock draft, Aiden Hutchinson to the lions at two. Jordan Davis to the Lions at pick 32, moving up to get him. Whoa, that'd be interesting. Not mad about that, but be- back to hockey. <laughs> so <laughs> I digress. I digress. A few players to know. Brendan Brisson, uh, Matty Beneers, Kent Johnson, Thomas Bordalo, all forwards, all electric, super fun to watch. And what this team has really been needing since Owen Power left was a blue line presence. Luke Hughes, who I believe was pick four in the draft, is a true stud as a freshman. Broke the Michigan freshman defenseman record for goals in a season that stood since the 70s. He is just a just a lightning rod of playmaking. Like he runs like a point a lot on power plays. Owen Power's gonna come back in, so it's gonna be fun to see how they balance that. But those two together on lineups or even separating them on lines to have one super like stud on each one is going to be fun to watch. Um, yeah, man, this team is incredible. But Thomas Bordelow's got more sauce than a Frank's bottle. It is just 
so much fun, man. Eric Portolo as goalie, the 6'6 super Swede, goes out in game one against Ohio State, gives up some pretty light goals, and comes back with the shutout. He blanks them in the next game. So just so much to love about this team, man. It's a fun ride to be on. And if you're joining now, you're joining at the right time. And you can you can stream these on the Big Ten Network. So what was it, 10 bucks a month? You can Something you, like that. It's a steal. Like that. Yeah, it's a steal for to get these games and then just cancel it if you want. Last another month. So you pay once you pay twice and it's done. Then you can move on with your life, but you don't want to miss this ride. If you're a Michigan sports fan, a hundred percent, because we've got a real shot at a title here and what 10 yeah. bucks. That's a beer and a tip at Applebee's. Yeah. You know, you're going to go to Applebee's to watch it anyway. Just get it at home. Dude, we, we love Trapplebee's on this podcast and it's like you want to go there they have the I think the games this week against Notre Dame are on Peacock so hey shout out to Notre Dame with that NBC deal and then after that it's the Big Ten tournament and then we're off to the NCAA tournament who's your favorite favorite player to watch because I'm I'm a little partial now I just recently joined two games ago but uh Luke Hughes is my dude right now Luke Hughes Luke- is awesome Excellent pick. Excellent pick for Luke. I'm interested to see what you think about the guys returning because I'm a big Maddie Beneers fan. He's a forward. He's electric. He's a goal scorer. Leading scorer on the team. Still. Still. After taking a break. Yeah. (laughs) Maddie Beneers is electric. I also like Thomas Bordelow. He's been running second line center. He's a little iffy on defense, but he is really good, really saucy, and the best, the best pregame fit on the team. That's important. We we never never want to skip over that. So yeah, this is uh this is the final plea. Tune in while you can because Michigan's got an awesome awesome shot. Even if they come up short, they're gonna they're gonna have a great run here. I absolutely believe that. All right, let's get into a little bit of uh. Well, first before we get into football, let's let's get into just a little bit of superlatives. You up for it? Always. Stole this, lifted this from our boys over at the mismatch. We're big mismatch fans. Verno and and KOC. Uh, we're going to steal their format. We've done something similar in years past. I'm going to give you true might be true, or that's ridiculous for each of these. All right. And you tell me, you know, where it stands, the statement. I got you. I've I've not seen these ahead of time. No, no, we do our superlatives clean where we run a clean program here. All right. First superlative true could be true or that's ridiculous. Michigan needs a transfer at the guard position, basketball guard, that is, for next year if they want to make a deep tournament run. True. I think it's true. It doesn't have to be a starting guard, but at least has to be a veteran guard. Like So if maybe Bufkin and Collins come along, you could still use that sixth man like a Sean Day Brown off the bench, or you could use the steady hand to guide the ship until one of those guys comes there. But I don't see a third guard right now, and I don't trust a true freshman coming in, so that is a true statement. I think it is as well. Losing Zeb Jackson kind of went under the radar. That was my guy. And Zeb Jackson actually was putting up better numbers than either Buffkins or Collins in brief stints. So a bigger loss than it seemed. And yeah, we could use a guard transfer and we've gotten one every year under Howard. So good chance we do next year. All right. True could be true or that's ridiculous. Ronnie Bell is the best player on the Michigan football team coming into next season. Could be true. I'd we saw the game one. It's only a small sample size, but I'm not going to discredit players like Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, Andrew Anthony McCarthy just quite yet. So the jury's still out on this one. I love Ronnie Bell as much as I love my girlfriend. Like it is probably more. Sorry, Liv. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Bell's a fantastic human being. He's been through it all. So if he's the best player on this team next year, it would not surprise me. So could be true. I think could be true is correct here as well. There's no way I could go is true because there's so many players and we don't know yet. You know, we've heard some whispers out of camp, but for all we know, you know, Zach Zinter's taking a giant leap, you know, baby. Yeah. Like you think I have, I've forgotten about Crippen. I go to sleep every night praying to the gods of Crippen. I got an altar with his picture. (laughs) When Greg Crippen gets real minutes, you and I are going to be just in an uproar. We're going to lose our minds. I don't have no idea why we became such big Greg Crippen fans, but I'm here for it. (laughs) All right. True. Could be true. That's ridiculous. Cade Cunningham should be rookie of the year. True. In bold letters. He proved it in the Rising Stars game. It's crazy. He gets away from Dwayne Casey and it looks like Steve Nash. So. It's it's true. It's all the way true. Evan Mobley is the only one within screaming distance of him, but it's Cade Cunningham. 
Uh, I'll say it could be true. As of right now, um, it's Mobley, uh, and people are valuing winning, which I get. Mobley came into by far the best scenario of any yeah. of the top six guys. Like it's it's not even close. That Cleveland team was ready to pop with or without Mobley. He's a huge part of it. But Darius Garland and Jared Allen are all stars. You know, Detroit has nobody even close to an all star in the team. They've got rising stars. Not Luca Garza. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. So um, I, I'll I'll say it could be true. I think a big second half of the season or second quarter of the season uh, could could tell the difference. I don't think he's going to win it. I think it'll be Mobley, but I think he's going to close the gap. I'm a huge, huge Cade, Cade Cunningham fan, but uh, I'm a little more measured on my basketball takes. You want to get me to, to to pop off at the mouth? We'll talk football. We'll talk Crippen. We'll talk great Crippen. <laughs> I'm going to start popping off. All right. True. That could be true or that's ridiculous. Game of Thrones is a top five show all time. Drama or comedy? This is great. Ooh, well, uh, so you got to go drama because comedy should probably be its own category. This is facts, my friend. As listeners don't know, I'm going through Thrones for the first time ever right now, currently in season six. If you spoil it, I'll hunt you down and, I don't know, slash your bike tires or something. But it's it's tremendous, man. I'm enjoying the ride. I've been frustrated. I've been sad. I've been angry. I've been ecstatic. I've been overjoyed. So, yes, top five drama of all time for me right now. That's my boy. It is true, and I've seen the whole thing, and uh, I've read every bit of literature about it. I've read all the books. I still think it's true, and I know what happened in the last two seasons, so don't come at me. All right, (laughs) true might be true, or that's ridiculous. Junior Colson is the most important player on the defense next year. Could be true, because I'm also, if DJ Turner goes out, I'm also very worried about what could happen. So this is could be true. Linebacker depth is a concern, as you and I have laid out numerous times. So very well could be, but also DJ Turner goes down, or like one of our pass rushers emerges, or Mozzie Smith goes down, like potentially. So that could be up there as well for me. You hit the three names I would say are worth mentioning there. DJ Turner being primarily. So it's like 1A, 1B with me with Turner and Colson just because of the depth. Um, but I'd rather play some of the freshmen we have coming in at corner than I would play who we have behind Colson. So it might be true. It, it, it definitely might be true. There's a case there. True might be true. That's ridiculous. Tom Izzo is an elite head coach. Currently? Currently. That's ridiculous. Ah, my boy, <laughs> on brand. Lob that one up to me. This is a Michigan podcast. They have only advanced past the sec- to the second weekend, I believe, once since 2015. Yeah, they made it to the Final Four in 2019. Yeah, that's the one time. Oh, yeah. Um, and then before that, I had it brought up. I mean, it wasn't that... It wasn't that long ago. So, I mean, you look at the breaks in between Final Four runs. It's not as egregious as I thought when I looked at the numbers. Time's eclipsing. We're talking elite here. We're talking... Elite. Okay. So, no, I think Tom Izzo is past his prime. I think he has to do something to adjust. He could salvage it. He has the record, but they made it's not the same Tom Izzo it was seven years ago. Time's Maybe not, but he's making the final four once every four years. That's not anymore. about. Not anymore. Yeah, but he made it in 19 and 15. That would mean he would make it next year. Is he going to make it next year, Jared? No. No, <laughs> no, he's no, not. no, no. Uh, yeah, I'm trying. I, I try to stay more reasonable and measured on my basketball takes, but I'm still going to side with you because I hate Tom Izzo and his whole nonsense about that being the malice in the palace. Like, bro, that is like saying cars was like American history X, like yeah, it, just basically <laughs> the same movie. Like, exactly. So he made that final four. Then he made it in 09 and 10. And then he went back to 04, 05. So there's few years, but in between there, it gets pretty grim. So you go to that 15 run, they lose in the first round. They lose in the round of 32, round of 32, final four. Last year, they lost in the first four. And now they're 18 and nine coming off a 26 point blowout. Give it to me. Not elite. Um, I, I, you know what? You know, I'm going to side with you on this one. I'm not going to fight for Tom Izzo, the little goblin. Not doing it. <laughs> I was going to be offended if you did. Like, I, if, you, if you want to fight for Tony Bennett from Virginia, who's on the periphery of what we really care about, that's fine. But how <laughs> dare you like, argue for Tom Izzo in my presence? 
I'm already out there on a limb for Greg Crippen. I don't have I don't have room to take on Tom Izzo as a project. There's no more limbs to go on. There's for no Tom limbs Izzo. left for me. None. And yeah, we're basking in Michigan State. Just their downfall. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, 26 point loss to Iowa last night. Um, they are in a tailspin right now, and somehow we didn't have the worst week in Michigan for basketball. So <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Izzo. Appreciate that. Gremlin. Um, (laughs) uh, Spring ball is upon us, my friend. This is exciting. Um, So we've got a couple weeks here and then they'll take a week off for spring break. I believe that's like March 7th is the uh, is the week off. And then we've got them. Yeah. Until like April. So we're going to have some some leaks coming out. We do get an in-person spring game this year, which I'm going to try to make it to. If you're interested, my friend, I will be back in the States by then. It's so, on the radar. I'm just saying it's put on that the radar. Out there. Let's put that out there. Um, I wish they did it like the uh, the first one under Harbaugh where they actually draft up the teams and go at it. They're doing it again. Yeah, it's oh, clean I'm there. Scale. I'm it's there. Cl- it's clean scale versus uh, Sharon Moore. I think. Well, they've done that every year, but the first year they really leaned into it. And it was a full game. Like the the last couple spring games have been like basically glorified practices with that back and forth mixed Wait, in. He said they're going to draft them up because he wants to see how these coaches really value the individual players, and the ones won't play that much. Like a play like a quarter or stuff like a preseason game, but he wants to see how they really value those middle tier, second, third stringers fighting. Tell me 60 minutes of Crippin and you're not there. <laughs> you know, I'm on the way. I'm in the car saddled up to watch Greg Crippen play three full quarters. I'll be uh, I'll be locking up the Airbnb for the rest of the pod. So if you hear me <laughs> click clacking away, that's just me reserving spots to watch Crippen <laughs> for 60, baby. Uh, but spring ball is upon us. And a uh, couple things that we've seen both in pictures or maybe heard little whispers about not too much coming out yet, but there's some stuff. Uh, first thing, Trente Jones rocking with the ones. Your thoughts? That was fun. I sent you the screenshot of it. He's working next to Zenter and across from them is also Chris Jenkins repping with mm-hmm. the ones on that side of the ball. So I love it. Trente Jones looks massive. We knew he was going to be in the battle for the right tackle spot between himself and Carson Barnhart, who had been playing guard out of necessity in a reserve capacity. I'm with it. I'm with either one of those guys at that position. And Trent A. Jones has shown the athleticism where he kind of converted to a hybrid tight end last year. Never caught a pass, but he was rare number 80 for a reason. So I think he's going to move well in space on the edge. I actually am even going to go a little further. Trente Jones is my pick after looking at, uh, we don't know what we have with Andrew Gentry yet. The guy's been like doing some sort of Mormon mission in Bolivia. Or so I don't know what he's doing, but he hasn't played in a long time. He's like 35 <laughs> years old. That's what he's not what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing, but he hasn't been playing offensive tackle. I can tell you that Trente Jones has uh, Barnhart would be the other guy and Barnhart's going to get play this year and he will eventually be one of our tackles, I think. But yeah, I'm I, I'm totally buying Trente Jones. So uh, you, you think that he's probably on the right then to start? Oh, 100 percent. Ryan yeah, Hayes. Yeah, is yeah, not, yeah. Ryan yeah. Hayes. I know just a formality on that question. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested by that. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, Bar- it's basically him and Barnhart. I really don't know if Bar- if uh, Gentry's going to factor in this year. I don't think it'll be this year. It'd have to be the following year. It's Trent Day or Barnhart there. And the other one just provides depth. And that's really what you need on this team across the front. So great early battle to see. Kind of got the got the juices flowing again. Like, oh, yeah, we're we're back up, baby. Like we're, we're, we're running the troops back. We have a lot returning. I'm really interested to see how some key battles shake out here in the spring and how we can overspeculate. Here's another one. Here's actually like a little bit of buzz. This is the first thing I've heard as far as people talking. Darius Clemens, 6'3 wide receiver, 205 pounds, chose Michigan over Auburn, Oregon, USC, Penn State, highly recruited, was not a guy we thought we'd get, has come in and Already people are saying like, this is a dude making it now. I think six years in a row that under Harbaugh, some unexpected guy has come in at wide receiver and been like, oh yeah, that's the dude. And every year you try and call it and it's the guy you don't call. And it sounds like it's going to be Darius Clemens this year. Can you have too much depth at wide receiver? Do we even have balls to get to this guy in the air? Like we're going to lose somebody eventually if Darius Clemens is who they say he is. Because there are too many receivers there, but it's the best problem to have from CJ to Roman Wilson to Ronnie Bell to Mikey Sainer still to AJ Henning to Darius Clements to Christian Dixon to Andrew Anthony. A lot of talent in this room and it'll shake out. 
So it's a great problem to have because you'd rather have, you know, losing good receivers instead of mid receivers battling mid receivers. So it's tough, but I love the buzz, man. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm totally here for it. And here's another thing that I really like about it is uh, we had did a podcast last year about the receiver room. And I was like, wow, really a shift under Gaddis to these smaller, very quick receivers. I think at that time, Xavier Worthy was committed. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like, wow, we're really shifting to these guys. And just with a matter of Andrell Anthony hitting and now Darius Clemens sounding like a hit, Andrew Anthony 6'1", Darius Clemens 6'3". Like all of a sudden, Michigan receiving core could be just right back to where it was as being both big, physical, fast, dominant, I won't say dominant. We've never really had a dominant pass game. We'll, but, yeah. We'll, you know. we'll, we'll see about that. It's funny you say Xavier Worthy was committed at one time. Wonder what happened. Um, but, <laughs> but the yeah, the receiver room is definitely big. Did you mention uh, Cornelius Johnson, 6'3? Ronnie Bell and Roman Wilson are both six feet. Mikey Sainer still the only one, I believe, that's really playing significant minutes at receiver that's under six feet. Cause I really don't count AJ Henning as a receiver. I count him as more just like a specialist out there. He's not the yeah. best pass catcher. So I think he's yeah. also, I think he's right around five ten. So yeah, Sainer's still the only one under six feet, but he's out there because I adore Mikey Sainer. So because he's an outstanding blocker and, a spectacular pass catcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Sainer still, and I think he'll stick around, but I think you're right. I think eventually you're going to start to see a transfer too out of that room because a guy like Roman Wilson could be the number one. I'm like, just pick like a random program. Like I'll say Colorado. Cause I yeah. went there or like Illinois, like Roman Wilson's probably a number one guy there. Also so, a dark horse for fastest person on the team. Another good dark horse too. I love Roman Wilson. I just like look at that depth chart and I'm just like, Ugh, are we going to get enough balls up, you know, with uh, the fact that we're really going to want to run our, you know, that running back room, which is outstanding and just completely ridiculous. Are there enough passes to be thrown? Damn. Our whole offense is so good, man. Life's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Time to embrace being villains, baby. <laughs> exactly. It's like, Oh, we got to run the ball again. Oh man. Now we got to throw it to these five. St- oh, oh, Yeah. Lean into the role, mate. It's Michigan versus everybody. The talent on offense is where it is. We're going to see how the defense shakes out, but this offense is going to be potent and going to keep us in every game. Yeah, 100%. Uh, anything else from spring you want to touch on or anything you're really watching in the in spring practice? Just any clips. I am, I am taking those like the Zapruder film, just breaking down each one frame by frame, trying to see what I can, t- like anything I can like overanalyze, like the size of Donovan Edwards calves or something like that. I'm just like anything to overreact to. Cause we didn't get this last year, all the COVID nonsense going on. So it's great to be back up and over speculating at full capacity. So got the eyes on the spring game, man. I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, we're going, I'll see you there. We're going, we're going to grab some spots right after it's going to be delightful. Uh, yeah. And look, I I've seen the sweat form on your brow and and you start to tremble when you see the look of a man's calves that have really exploded over the spring. I mean, come on. What more do I need besides Greg Crippen? <laughs> simple man, simple man. Um, all right. So that's the last part. We're going to end with our newest segment started last week. It is called remove the goggles in this segment. We, as diehard fans, take off the graduation goggles, the beer goggles, whatever you want to call them, the rose-colored glasses, and we look at things through a more reasonable perspective. Uh, it was your, your turn to go this week. You are deferring to me. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm passing the ball. All right. Well, I'm going to need you. Uh, I'm going to need you in here eventually, because if not, it just sounds like an old man yelling at a cloud if I just go every week with a rant. But I'm Nas Hillman in the post. Just feed me. Let's go. All right. So this week, it's time to remove the goggles. Being a fan of Michigan, a absolutely top tier program, no matter how you slice it is a double-edged sword. That might not sound like anything crazy controversial, but it plays into what you and I were talking about in this podcast. It's time to embrace being a villain because no matter what, we are going to receive scrutiny. When you are a fan of a Michigan, a Notre Dame, a Texas, a USC, an Ohio State, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Dallas Cowboys, you are subject to a different level of scrutiny because you are in the news more. People view you in a different light. So when Juwan Howard puts his hand on a man's face and palms him like a medicine ball or a grapefruit, I guess, in his instance, 
it's going to it's going to make headlines and it's going to be all over Bleacher Report and it's going to get thousands of retweets where if it happened at Pepperdine, I don't think that anyone even knows that it happened. And it's time to accept this and it's time to embrace it. And that might mean that it's time to embrace that Michigan is a school of villains and we, the faithful few or the faithful many, can do our part and be villains as well. That is my remove the goggles moment of the week. It is a double-edged sword. I think a lot of people have a hard time seeing that. They always see Michigan as being like, we're morally upright. You know, we're the ones that look down on you. We're we are better than you. It's almost an elitist thing, but when you speak it out like that, it sounds like we're the Lannisters. That's what we are. We are looking down at people like that. And it's like, you know, you have to embrace this. Like, don't middle around. You can have your good qualities. You don't have to be a complete jerk about it. But like, yeah, lean into the perception. Like, you want to think we're bad? Okay, let's be physical. That's what Jim Harbaugh then did with football, and it was in the Ohio State game. It was they pushed us and they wanted to start it. It's like, all right, we are about it, about it. Here comes Trevor Keegan and Andrew Stuber and Eric All wanting all the smoke. So lean into it. Be physical. Be a little bit mean, a little bit nasty, and, yeah, embrace the double-edged sword. Absolutely. And I think this is a turning point for you and I and for the fan base as a whole. If we can all really rally behind this, don't be the Lannisters. Be the Dothraki. Just accept that you're a bunch of ruthless, horse-riding savages bent on destruction and go with it. You can conquer continents. This isn't Utah. (laughs) (laughs) A hundred percent. Like, yeah, lean into this and yeah, it starts tonight. And actually it starts right now with Rutgers. Indeed it does. Time for us to log off so we can tune in. Uh, that is going to do it for out of the blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, whether that is on Spotify, Apple music, or wherever you can follow us on Twitter at maze and brew. You can follow me if you prefer at JStorm three or three or my man at UM Andy B. There's an underscore in there. Is there not? No, but it's UM Andrew B. I use my Christian Andrew name B. on there. Ah, yes, as you should. You're a man of God like Greg Crippen. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue. I'm Jared. That's Andy. Uh, We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.